Check, check, and we are recording. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, as it had been told them. Lord, and then I'm skipping forward to a couple verses. So we're going, uh, now we're going to 29. And this is actually a quote from Zechariah, who we're going to talk about a little bit more today. It's still in chapter 2 of, of Luke. Zechariah, who was a man of God, sees Jesus and he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant Depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Amazing stuff, chapter 2 of Luke. So, what is Christmas? What is Christmas? Thank you. Well said. It is the announcement of the birth of Christ. It's news, ultimately. Now, I know you hear a lot of people say that, right? People on TV and people in the church from pulpits are like, here's what Christmas is really about. You are thinking this, but it's actually about this. And I have one more voice this morning to add to that. And I will say it this way. Christmas is big news. That's what it is. In a nutshell, It's big news. And you know, I'm going to use a little analogy for us this morning. Big news is like a hammer. It comes down hard and fast and sometimes leaves you dazed. It comes down hard and fast and sometimes leaves you dazed. It's something that does not allow for a lot of thought. It just, your reaction to a hammer hitting your thumb. Or, when you're at the doctor, kids, you probably have not experienced this. And Tom Foley talked about this a few weeks ago. But there's this thing called the knee jerk. You guys know what the knee jerk is? Try it this morning. Kiddos, cross your legs, sit down in a chair, and cross your legs like this. Put one leg over the other, right? And everybody can try it. Everybody try it. Put put one leg over the other like this. And then then what you want to do is you want to come down hard and fast on your knee. Come on, come come on, Jeff, you're not doing it. Come on, (laughs) Jacob, Jacob, come on. Hard and fast on your knee, and you will notice that if you hit it in a certain spot, Right below the kneecap, you might need to get it right below the kneecap. Did you get it, Cora, right below the kneecap? 
your, your leg just automatically goes whoop up in the air. It, it's bizarre. And I don't know why doctors check it. I guess it's like, are your legs working? Well, I walked in here, so I suppose they are, but let's check and make sure. So doctors come down hard and fast on your knee, and they look for that knee jerk. Same thing happens if you're hammering something. Do you guys know what hammers are used for? Any, Cora, what do you think hammers are used for? What'd she say? Putting nails in, yes. So that's their intended purpose, but sometimes, if you're not careful, the hammer can slip off the nail a little bit, and it tends to hit your thumb because you're holding the nail with your finger and your thumb. And it causes a very visceral reaction. Ow! Ah! Just hammered my thumb with this big hammer. Knee-jerk reactions. Pulling your thumb away from a hammer. Big news is like that too, y'all. I don't know if you've ever had someone who has called you in the middle of the night or during the middle of the day, and they've said to you, Are you sitting down? This is the kind of phone call you don't want to get. Am I right? And why does someone ask if they have big news they're about to drop on you, whether it's really, really bad or really, really good, why are they asking you if you're sitting down? Anyone? Why does that matter? So you don't fall down. Right? Because the assumption is... This news is going to hit you like a hammer. You're going to be dazed, and you actually might faint, or you might stumble, because your reaction to the news is going to be visceral. It's going to be, you're not going to be able to necessarily even control your body. That's the kind, that's the kind of thing that big news does to us. It, it jolts us, it shocks us. And our reaction is often very knee-jerk. And that's exactly what we see in Luke chapter 2. When the big news comes, y'all, the people that the news comes to, the shepherds, Mary, Zechariah, others, Anna, we're going to talk about Anna a little bit, their reaction is very visceral. It's very knee-jerk. So let's look at that this morning. And we're going to look at the knee-jerk reaction that happens in three different ways. One, the first one, I should say, is fear. That's the first knee-jerk reaction to the big news. The second knee-jerk reaction to the big news is, anybody want to take a guess? It's in your bulletin. Peace. Well said. Thank you. And the third and final knee-jerk reaction to the big news that comes down like a hammer is joy. Really good joy. So we're going to end on a happy note. I know. It's Christmas time. It feels appropriate. But let's talk about fear first, the least fun one of all. And what we have in our story today in Luke chapter 2 is these shepherds. We don't interact with a lot of shepherds nowadays, but there were these people, men and women, who would hang out in fields, right, where there was grass, because they were grazing sheep. And so they're out there in the fields, and it is nighttime, y'all. Think about it for a minute. Put yourself, you are grazing hunks of meat in a field, very tasty, blood-filled meat in a field at night. I don't know about y'all, but if I was those shepherds, I would already be scared, right? I mean, there were wolves out there. There were bears out there. I mean, we actually read accounts in the Old Testament and the New Testament of shepherds fighting these large beasts of the field. So so if you're like me when I was a kid, 
I don't know, kids, if you're in this boat with me, but are you sometimes afraid of the dark? You know, when the lights first get turned off in your bedroom, it can be a little bit scary. I would always see images of, you know, monsters in the corner or something coming out of my closet. Don't mean to give you nightmares tonight. (laughs) But we have the, weirdly, we have the opposite happening with the shepherds. It's kind of hard to understand. They're in the dark, hanging out with hunks of delicious meat. And yet, somebody turns the lights on, and what would we expect their reaction to be? Yay! The lights are on! Nope, not at all. They get much more fearful when the lights get turned on. Right? There's this light that shines above them, and they're like, oh, we're afraid! That's their first reaction. That's their knee-jerk reaction. And then you have the angel who is like, wait a minute, hold up. Fear not. Fear not. For behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. I've got some big news. And the big news is going to be exciting. But before we get to the big news that brings peace and joy, let's look at this fear for a minute. Y'all, the best way for us to understand the fear of the shepherds is to think about getting a job where you are highly, highly unqualified. Anybody ever had one of these? I've had one. One of the most visceral feelings you're going to have if you take a job that you're very unqualified for is fear. You're going to fear the supervisor showing up. You're going to fear others around you who have more skill than you, more knowledge than you, that are working alongside of you. And your fear will be visceral. It will be daily. It will be constant. I've talked with people. I know someone currently who is in a position at a job, and they are fearful. They're constantly nervous. They're constantly trying to read books to get their knowledge um, up. And it is a really scary experience. Now, it's exactly what's happening to the shepherds. And it's what's hap- it, what happens to anyone whom the glory of God comes near. So that's what that light represents that we read about in this passage in Luke 2. It's the glory of God coming near to these shepherds. And basically it's like someone finding out that you're highly unqualified. It happens to every person. Does that make sense? And it's basically God saying, you're not in control. <laughs> when God moves near in our life, the glory of God... Our first reaction is not, yay, it's, oh no. We see this with Isaiah. The Lord draws near. Ah, we see it with John in Revelation. Even an angel comes near, and what what happens? Flat on their face. This happens over and over in the Bible, Old Testament and New. When people come near to the glory of God, they hit the the deck. The visceral experience is one of deep and utter fear. Why? Because we are trying to run the show down here. And often feel like we're doing a pretty good job. Thank you very much. I, Lord, I am controlling my destiny. I have got quite a few things planned out for my future. And I think I am doing a pretty decent job. Womp! Light comes in. Bam! We hit the deck. That's how it works. It's true for all of us, y'all. And it was, in this particular case, a very visceral experience for the shepherds. This is why we're always afraid of failure. We're always afraid of rejection. We're always afraid of the future. We know how tenuous life is. We know how flawed we are. And we're scared. 
This is just the human experience. All of us have been there or are there currently. Now, you may even have in your life right now things that are happening that show you that you're not capable of running your own life. You might even have recent experiences that um, are showing, they're coming in and showing you you're not in control. And sometimes our reaction is to curse the light instead of receive it and admit, admit how highly unqualified we are for the job of running our own life and being our own God. Because that's the thing that comes after the fear. The thing, once that visceral reaction takes place, that scaredness about the real boss coming, who is the actual one in charge, oftentimes there is a peace. And this is what the angel is proclaiming to these shepherds. The angel is going, fear not, for I'm going to bring you some big news. And here's the big news. Does anybody know what the big news is? It is on every Christmas card possibly ever produced. God is bringing, Jesus is bringing, what on earth? Peace on earth. Oh, yes, finally. Peace on earth. Now, we need to dig into this, though. So the first reaction to the big news of Christmas is is fear. The second one is peace. But let's be clear about this peace. It's not a couple of things. It's not international or national or political peace. It's just not. Right? I mean, I think we can determine that from history, but we don't have to just look at history. We can actually look at the scriptures. Jesus, in the same book of Luke, in chapter 12, he talks about the fact that he's like, I'm going to bring wars. There's going to be more conflict brought to this earth through my coming, through my birth. You're not going to see wars cease. In fact, you're going to, as time goes on and the second coming uh, gets nearer, you're going to see an increase in conflict and wars. So it's really interesting, though, that this is not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about political peace. Now, don't, also don't hear that wrong. Don't take that too far to think that he didn't bring any kind of peace at all between people. Okay, so we're going to get to that in a minute. But ultimately, that is not what Jesus was talking about. It's not what the angels were talking about in this passage. Also, the angels, when they talked to the shepherds, were not talking about personal feelings of peace. That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? They weren't talking about psychological peace. Well, that seems weird. Wait a minute, Nathan. I thought Christmas was about getting some psychological peace. The rest of the year kind of stinks. This is the one time when I can get a little bit of that, sit near the tree, and feel good about life or Jesus or whatever. And don't get me wrong. Again, don't take that too far. There are aspects of this that do bring peace into a person's life, but that isn't the ultimate peace that these angels are talking about or that the Bible talks about or that Jesus talks about. So then, if the angels are not talking about international, national political peace, and the angels are not talking about personal, internal feelings of of goodness and, and, and placidity, what in the world are they talking about? What is the Bible getting at? What are the angels trying to tell these shepherds? They're saying this, peace with God, peace with God. This is something that Paul talks about a lot in Romans, 1 Corinthians, this thing called reconciliation with God. That's the big news that came down at Christmas. You, who, that is people, who were once at enmity with God, 
according to Paul in Romans chapter 8, you have now been reconciled with him through Jesus. And the peace of God now rests upon your soul. Ultimately, it is about a status. It is about the fact that you, who were enemies of God, have now been brought to be friends with God, to be those that God loves. It says, it says as the angels put it here to the shepherds, the favor of God is now going to rest upon you because of what Jesus does, because of his birth and what he does through his death. I know, okay, blah, blah, blah. You've heard that before. But let's, let's dig into it for just two minutes. Y'all, it's, if you've ever been with someone who is estranged from a friend or estranged from a family member or estranged from a spouse, or if you personally have ever been estranged from a family member or from a coworker or from a boss or from a spouse, you know what happens in these type of relationships. What happens is the things that at the beginning were seen as good are now seen as bad. Here's how this works. It's like, you know what, when I first met him, I really liked the fact that he's detail-oriented. It's really neat. You know, the checkbook's always balanced. But then, when the relationship get, gets estranged, it's like, ugh, nitpicky. That's what he is. He is critical of every little thing in life. Okay, see how, see how it happens? See how that goes? And then you've got, um, let's think, if it's, if it's a, um, a guy and he's looking at the girl and he's like, you know, she just is so steady and unflappable. She's just, she can just cut through the difficulties of life like a, a knife through butter, a warm knife through butter. And then once the relationship beca- gets estranged, she's cold. That woman is cold. I don't want to be around her anymore. See how it works? We know, we know it in, in human relationships. We know how this plays out. Well, the reality is it also plays out with God, y'all. It plays out with us in small ways. It plays out with lots of people in this world around us where it's like, okay, fine. You know what? Talk about an all-powerful God. Well, you know what? That just means he's unaccountable. I see lots of suffering in this world that if I was in charge, I would change. He has no accountability. See that? The sovereignty of God, I can't stand it. (laughs) I don't want to believe that God is in control of everything because it means that he's not doing what I want him to do in the little things even in my own life. I haven't given him, I haven't accepted and loved the fact that he's totally in control. I'm kind of angry about it, honestly. See how this happens? People get estranged from God all the time. If we're willing to admit it, there is animosity in our hearts towards some of the things of God. Another great one that I think is, is for a lot of people struggle with is God's mercy. It's like, God can forgive them, but I'm not. <laughs> like, I understand that God is a loving God and he has mercy and all that, but man, I don't feel like I need to show mercy <laughs> to that person who's been mean to me, or I don't like that about him, or he's just namby-pamby is what he is. Where's the real justice for the world? Do you see how this works, y'all? There is, in the human heart, a a way that we get estranged from God. And the big news that these angels are bringing to these shepherds and to everyone is Jesus is going to reconcile you. It's going to be okay. It's going to work out. You're going to find real peace. 
Not namby-pamby Christmas feelings. Not everything in the world is going to work out perfectly. You, as individuals, as a church, as believers, you are going to find reconciliation with God. That is an incredible message. That's a life-changing message. It's, a, it's an unassailable message. Peace among nations? Peace among people groups? It fades. Always fades. Peace that you feel in your heart around Christmas time? January hits, where does it go? <laughs> Out the window. Right? It's always fleeting. But the peace of reconciliation with the Father that Christ brought to this world through his birth and his death and his resurrection is unbeatable. It's unassailable. It's unstoppable. Amen? So there's the peace that comes with Christmas. And let's end with the joy that comes with Christmas. Joy is a knee-jerk reaction. To what? To what God has done. That's where joy comes from. And you see that throughout the story of Luke chapter 2. There is this joy that comes to the people in our story where they're like, I'm not, okay, the fear is over. I'm not the boss. Okay. Okay, sovereignty of God. I, I accept it. I accept that you are a loving father and a good boss and you're going to take care of me and you're looking out for me every day of my life. At that point, you begin, they begin, we begin to trust him. Because real joy comes when it's not about me, but it's about him. That's where real joy comes from. Y'all, we can, we get happiness, and this is a good thing, when we achieve things in life. When you set a goal, here comes 2019. Do you have your resolutions all set? What are you going to do? Are you going to lose 10 pounds? Are you going to finally apply for that job that you've had in your dream radar for a long time? I'm not sure what it is. But I guarantee you've got some goals for 2019. And I promise you, if you achieve them, you will be happy. Promise. It's a good thing. God gave it to us. Happiness. Right? Yay. If you get that new car for Christmas with the, you know, the Lexus with the bow on top, (laughs) I always see those commercials and I'm like, I'll take that. If you get that, you're going to be happy, aren't you? So, hint, guys, hint, if you really want to make your wife happy, new Lexus, bow on top. Or whatever it is. I don't know what your dream is. Maybe your dream is to have your kids finally be obedient. Or maybe your dream is to have, you know, a brand new kitchen. And if you got that, there is going to be a level of happiness. And heck, you might even be the one who puts the kitchen tiling in. So there's even that added satisfaction of, look at what I have done with my own hands. There's happiness there, y'all. But it's not, according to scriptures, joy. Joy is this thing that occurs to the people in the Bible when it's not about what they did, what they accomplished, but all of a sudden, big news comes in. God breaks through. He breaks in to the world, into people's lives, and they are just blown away at what he is doing. Okay, so let's look at a couple. Or let, let, me, uh, let me put it this one more way just to help us understand this. Joy comes when God intervenes in the things in life that really matter. Y'all, getting a new kitchen is great. I mean, I want to, I mean, as 
countertops that are marble, yes. Thank you very much. But does it really matter? I mean, if you're, you know, if your kid's in the hospital or you're estranged from half your family, do you really care about marble countertops? No, of course not. The things that really matter in our life, we know down deep that we're not in control of them. Love, falling in love with someone, someone falling in love with us. We know in our heart of hearts we're not in control of this. Birth of children, we know to some level we are not in complete control of these things. These things that really matter, this getting these things, falling in love, reconciling with coworkers or parents or, or with other people or with our spouse or whatever. We just, we know these things are kind of out of our control, Right? And that's what's happening to the people in this story. Mary is like, I mean, you can just see her in this Luke chapter 2. I encourage you to read it when you go home. She's just like, whoa. These shepherds come and they're like, you're going to have a baby that's going to be amazing. <laughs> He's going to like save the whole world. Zechariah has been waiting in the temple for this announcement about Jesus coming. And he's like, now I can die. This is incredible because this is going to be the glory of Israel is in your womb, Mary. And she's just like, oh, what, what, what? And then in the middle of the chapter, at the end of the chapter, it says, and Mary stored up these things in her heart and felt the treasure of God. I promise you it was joy. It was joy. You couldn't take it away from her. You couldn't. It was not marble countertops. It was pure joy. God had done a thing in her life. Same for Zechariah, y'all. You can't make yourself not fear death, can you? Like, I just do. Like, I'm scared of death. And I try a lot of different things to talk myself out of being scared of death. I'm like, it's fine. This plane, it's physics, Nathan. It's not going to go down. You just felt a huge bump in the back, and it looks like something's on fire, but it's fine. God's in control. And yet here we are, Zechariah. He sees Jesus. He says he's full of the Spirit in chapter 2 of Luke. And he sees this little baby. And there's a whole bunch of other babies in there at the same time. And he's like, this is it. (laughs) He's like, Lord, take me now. He's like, I'm done. I can die now. Fear of death, gone. Why? Because it's real joy because it's been wrought by the hand of God. He, can, he knows it. He sees it. He's like, this is, God did this. Y'all, if you're willing to give God a little room in your life, a little wiggle room, kind of take some risks, do some things with Him and for Him, when He comes through in your life, it is incredible. It's incredible. It's joy unimaginable. And it's exactly what Christmas is all about. It's this joy of God breaking into the world. Have you pondered it recently? Have you sat and just been like, okay, Christmas, yes, is about presents. Love me some presents. Love me the Lexus in the driveway with the bow on top. Thank you, Lord. But Christmas is really about this big news. It's about the fact that God has broken in. That though we are fearful because the presence of the glory of God is with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, There is peace to be had, knowing we're reconciled to God and that He is for us, y'all, and that even though we may not feel it today, He's working in our lives. And He's going to keep working in our lives. And He's not going to leave us alone. He's not going to abandon us. 
He's not going, when the child gets sick or when the job doesn't come through or when the finances are, are falling apart, he's not abandoning you. I know it feels like it in the moment, but we have the promise that he has broken through and that he is not ever going to leave us alone and that he is constantly going to be at work in our lives. And finally, as a reminder of how this works, you guys may have seen this movie as a book. That was a cartoon. That was a movie. Christmas Carol. Anybody ever heard of it? Charles Dickens. So there's this character in there named Scrooge. Remember Scrooge? Right? The old guy. And he is just mean and nasty. And he goes through the exact series of things that we talked about today. He, goes, he gets woken up in the middle of the night by these ghosts. So there's deep-seated fear. He is shaking. If you've seen the cartoon, that's my favorite one. He's shaking every time the ghosts come near. And then he gets more fearful as he watches his actions and the repercussions it's having on the people around him. But then he actually gets a second chance, right? He wakes up. There's a peace that comes over him. And then he gets joy. Now, that is just a fable, right? But it's the same, it's the same pattern that can happen in our own lives. As God draws near, there's fear. And through reconciliation, there's peace. And then comes out what flows out of God working in our lives is joy. And just like Scrooge, what flows next? What does he do on the final day? Cartoon, I'm looking at the cartoon version. What does he do on the final day? What's his response to all that? Anyone? 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 Yeah, dude. He can't help it. It just flows, y'all. It just, when joy comes in, it's like, here's your goose. Here's your turkey. I don't need this money. Here, take it. Take, take what you want. Generosity. He is overflowing with love. He goes, he's hugging little Bob Cratchit, and he wants to see his employees happy. Y'all, it transforms the world around him. The fact that fear, peace, and joy have come into his lives. And the same is true for us. When it breaks through, y'all, when it really breaks through, and that, that fear, that peace, and that joy come, here's your goose. I got lots of gooses to give away, and it's going to be fun. Let's pray. Lord God, you are the one who has done this great thing. Lord, I can try to describe it up here from Luke chapter 2, but the reality is, God, you're the one that's at work. You're the one that's breaking into this world, that's breaking into people's lives, that is doing new things, great things, powerful things. And Lord, I pray for our congregation, for this church, Lord, that that we would be a people characterized by joy and a joy that expresses itself in generosity. Lord, I pray that even this Christmas season, Lord, that we we would just spread it around Charlottesville. That, Lord, even though... I've given a hundred times in that little basket uh, at, at, in front of Barnes & Noble with a little person ringing the bell. I pray that my heart would just be like bursting with joy and I would just give, Lord. Just give and give to the person on the corner, the person next door, the person across the street, Lord. Give us deep, deep generosity that flows from your joy that we might ch- be changed ourselves and then we might change the world around us. Ultimately, Lord, for your glory and for your name. We pray it through Christ. Amen. Well, the kiddo's already back in. That worked out nicely. So, the beauty of the meal 
of Christ this time of year is the fact that as we celebrate Christmas, as we think about Christmas, we often think about feasting, don't we? There's a lot of food to be had during this uh, Advent season, during the Christmas holiday time. And Lord, and and y'all, I ask that you would receive this as a feast. Think about the fact that Christ has come for you. That his generosity overflows, that he has broken into the real world, and that he has reconciled you. That's what this meal is about. It's called communion. And the reason it's called communion is because it brings us together through reconciliation, and it brings us towards God through reconciliation. Communion, fellowship. We are reconciled to one another and to God through the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We ask if you have not received Christ as your Savior, that you are, you do not part of, you're not part of a church that believes these same things, that you would let these elements pass by and just pray over this time. But if you have received Him as yours, feast. Feast up. This is the meal for us. Because Jesus, when He was talking to His disciples in the upper room, He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. I want you to keep doing this in remembrance of me and what I've done for you. Let's do that right now.